how to start a million dollar business over a weekend. Create an ad, put it out there, see if you get people to transact. And then you kind of reach back out to them and refund their money and be like, hey, sorry, this is what I'm working on. I wanted to make sure there was actually people that want this besides my mom. We built the business to over 20 million in revenue when I was the only full-time employee and he was part-time before we started hiring anybody. Anything that took off in CrossFit was taken off like wildfire. I went to the CrossFit Games and I remember seeing lines of people. Progenics was a big brand back then, charging probably three to four times. People just had to have it. And so I was like, okay, this is what we need to do. Our top performing ads we're targeting vegans, and that was across Facebook and Google. Really? What was the lead that brought the vegans to meat sticks? Well, what's happening is this. Welcome to the Man Lab, where we combine science and health in the pursuit of making men great again. This is how legends are. Hey guys, welcome back to the Man Lab. So today we've got a very interesting guest, uh, a company you wouldn't really think would be worth something in the ballpark of $200 million. It's very unique. I kind of look at it as the post-it note of food, and I'll explain that later. <laughs> so uh, Pete is the owner and creator of Chomps. So if you're not aware of it, you probably because you don't live in America, but Chomps is a great little meat tube that they sell in basically everywhere in America right now. It's, uh, it's become a nationwide phenomenon, and I'm really excited to find out how he made this into a big business, how he's implemented health to become quite a profitable business as well, and how you guys could maybe get some ideas for different avenues for your business or even just health-related stuff. So quickly before we jump in, guys, I just want to make mention that T-Clinics does offer 10% off to all Man Lab listeners. Now, to do that, just go to bit.ly forward slash T-Clinics USA. The link is in the description if you want to use it. You'll get 10% off just by mentioning the Man Lab on your first package. That's bit.ly forward slash T-Clinics USA. Link's in the description. So, Pete, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me. So the reason I said post-it notes of food is it's, it seems like one of, like if I was to pitch, I want to sell a yellow square of paper stacked on top of each other with a sticky thing. No one's going to invest in that, but it's the biggest stationary company out ah, there. Okay. Pitching an idea like this, I would be, imagine would be, have been weird to investors initially where you're like, hey, we're going to just do a, like a tube of meat and sell them off. And they're, oh, so you're going to sell like, you know, packets of six? Just one. Did you run into weird situations like with that trying to sell it or? A little bit. I mean, so, so we bootstrapped the, the business though, so we didn't have to go pitch this to investors. Um, but I would say maybe pitching to customers initially was a little bit, was a little bit weird. Um, but I would say Slim Jim's probably built that, the, the business in terms of, you know, the category. Mm. So there already was a category out there. All we were doing is coming in and kind of, we, we say we, reinv we reinvigorated the category. So we're not trying to even steal customers from them. We're trying to carve our own path. Got you. And so because you are a grass-fed um, meat source, was that your differentiating factor between that and Slim Jim's? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So it's, it's the ingredients. I mean, if you look at what they're made of, it's mm, a bunch of uh, weird ingredients that you probably can't pronounce. And then the, from the protein perspective, you've got mechanically separated chicken. So it's not even beef sticks. A lot of people think like, oh, these are beef sticks, and they're not. So Really? Yeah. Run me through that. What's in that? Like, oh, it's, like, it's, it's, uh, it's mostly pork and then me mechanically separated chicken. So it's very cheap sources of protein mm. when we're using very premium sources of protein. So we're, we're using, if you go to the store, you go to Whole Foods, <laughs> you go to Costco, you're buying grass-fed steaks. We're using that exact same meat. We're just using the trimmings off of that. 
and putting that into our ground beef, which is then put into the uh, into the casing, which is made into the sticks. Really? Well, you had a you know a health, fitness, wellness background prior yeah. to even getting into this yeah. business, right? Yes, yeah. So I was a personal trainer in college, so that's kind of. What got my, you know, I, I loved working out when I was a kid too. So I started working out, was probably like 15, 16. And then, um, you know, as you get into it, you kind of start learning about nutrition. And I think early on, I was, I was only worried about trying to get big and strong and probably the same background right. as you, I bet. And uh, yeah, and then, and then when I got in a little older, started like dealing with older clientele too, that were trying to like lose weight. I had to like sharpen my, uh, my skill set in terms of nutrition. Um, and so, yeah, I started learning a lot more. I started reading the backs of labels, new ingredient statements, nutrition facts panels, learned a lot about how macronutrients work and then tracking those. Um, yeah, and then I actually started doing uh, paleo dieting when the whole CrossFit. Uh, mm, I remember that diet. Is that still around? Yeah, it's, it's there. It's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was an inflection. Yeah, 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 it was. It was good for us too, you know. So that was, um, you know, I think when we were, when I came up with the idea for Chomps, you know, I was looking at, what's trending right now. And you mm -hmm. look at, if you use like Google trends and other, uh, you know, search tools, you were seeing paleo is like going crazy, grass fed beef going crazy. Um, and so that's really what we, we zeroed in on. Yeah. So, um, I heard on a, a different podcast that you guys were also researching. So you researched if there was a need for this pretty heavily before you even decided. So most people, they think of a great idea and then they just go do it. Yeah, yeah. And that's usually the quickest way to kill a company. Whereas, um, you saw this actually there was birth with CrossFit when you saw a bit of a need in that in that area, if I'm correct. Yeah. What was that like? How did you run through that, and then how did you end up researching it to then determine that this could be a good idea? Yeah, good timing on this question, by the way, because my buddy <clears throat> Noah Kagan, um, so he actually worked with Tim Ferriss. You know Tim Ferriss, mm -hmm. and I know it too. Noah's got great content. Noah's man, and so I'm. A, he's a buddy of mine now, but he actually he and Tim Ferriss came out with a blog post back in 2011, I believe it was. And it says, um, how to start a million dollar business over a weekend. And in, in there, he's basically lists out all these different, you know, tactics you could use to essentially establish like product market fit, um, size of prize, that type of thing. Like, like how big is this audience? Um, and mm. I used all of those things. I mean, I literally went like line by line and I was mm. like, okay, this is cool. And so I spent the time doing that, and it was one of the other ideas he had in there was taking out Facebook ads, just create an ad before you even have a product, create an ad, put it out there, see if you get people to transact, and then you kind of reach back out to them and refund their money and be like, hey, sorry, this is what I'm working on. I wanted to make sure there was actually people that want this besides my mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what we did. So. That's crazy, because that's what, you know, Masterclass, the online course thing yeah. where that's the same thing they did. They ran a fake website and they were like, oh crap, there's a lot of people wanting this. This works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So you did that same tactic. Yeah. So Noah's got a book coming out. I'll plug his book, I guess, while we're here. It's, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I think it's called Million Dollar Weekend. So yeah. That's I, around that topic. So I reached out to him when, uh, when you know, once Chomps really started taking off and I was like, hey, I just want to let you know this content you put out was like amazing and it was a game changer for me. Just wanted to say hi. And he was like, so he mm -hmm. and I became like buddies. Um, anyway, so he told me he was writing this book and it was o about just basically taking that blog post, putting it into a book. And, um, so yeah, I bought a hundred of them so far. I, I'm, uh, I tell him <laughs> I want to give back in some way. So I'll yeah, be doing absolutely. like a giveaway and stuff like that. And so, so how did you start? Like once, once you've researched and like, well, actually run me through, did you do the Facebook ads to research it? Or I, I did hear you mention about like the CrossFit, you're like, the, the, there was a, a gap in that that, I guess, it, 
CrossFit's a very strong culture. Some mm-hmm. would say it's a cult, <laughs> but there was a strong desire for that type of product being chomps in that. And that was your, your sort of, I can probably wedge myself in this to start off with. So I'll kind of give you like what, why I focused on CrossFit. So obviously I was doing it. So I was interested in it. And giving you the, the whole cult like, uh, uh, aspect of it. It's like, I was realizing that anything that took off in CrossFit was taken off like wildfire. Right. Mm. And then I went to the CrossFit games and it was in 2011. We were out in Carson when it was out there still. Um, they had this vendor village like off to the side. And I remember seeing lines of people around this vendor village, like trying to get to Progenix was a big brand back then. Right. And so like they're over here charging probably three to four times, uh, what you could get for like a, a thing of like protein or like whatever the, the, the supplement was. And that was tapping into that cult. That was it. And, but it was by CrossFitters for CrossFitters and people just had to have it. Right. Mm. Um, and so I was like, okay, this is what we need to do. Like we, we're CrossFitters. Let's make this and target CrossFitters. And I think that would work. And yeah, so that's what. And so worked. CrossFit was the starting point, the take, the launch pad for Trumps. For sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And so how did you end up getting it into like the hands of people first with your products? It's just like door to door, like hitting, like going to like different CrossFit gyms, getting them to carry it there, just doing sampling. Um, one of the biggest things for us actually was the whole 30, um, that was really big within CrossFit. And, um, we became good friends with Melissa, the founder of CrossFit and, um, of, uh, of whole 30. And we were actually one of the, one of the first, um, whole 30 approved products. And so as her, I mean, you, you probably, you're probably aware of it now, right? I mean, it's, it's huge. It's mm. everywhere. She was on like, you know, today's show, Dr. Oz, all the above. Right. And so as her brand grew, that community grew and it really gave us another on top of CrossFit. It was kind of like this kind of niche that has continued growing. Um, really? So that for us, yeah. Yeah. So, so she was like the one person that just really trajected everything for you For guys. sure. And there was like things that have come off of that as well. Like our break, our, we, we landed Trader Joe's because of Whole30. Like we were mm. a Whole30 approved product and they needed to have it. And so that's established that relationship. So yeah. How did, like once you've come, like once you get that momentum, because especially in today's, businesses for people like if you start something online it can go bonkers and sometimes uh, when things go crazy businesses actually fail because they can't deliver um obviously going into trader joe's you've got some hurdles you've like you can't just be like sweet Mm. yeah we're great and then it's like you're you're selling from a couple of hundred people a couple thousand and now you need to it it was such a game changer so put it in perspective we were making up to ten thousand pounds of meat a month right of product so it's like 10,000 pounds is like, you're, it's a pretty small company still. Mm. We went from 10,000 to with one order. So like this was going to last about, it's supposed to last five weeks, but it didn't it last much less than that. I'll get into that. Uh, but we went from about, uh, yeah, 10,000 to about 150,000 pounds. It's <laughs> a jump. And so, yeah. So you can imagine like there's about 40,000 pounds of meat in a truckload. So an 18 mm-hmm. wheeler truckload. So just do that. I mean, there's truckloads of meat now wow. that we're doing on one single order for them. Um, it's game changer. Interesting. And so, so you said you you effectively are getting the off cuts of the grass fed beef, and then utilizing that in the products. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Not you're not wasting any of the cow. Yeah. No. We that is a huge part of our uh, selling point of using chops. Interesting. And I'm 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 curious. Obviously, being Aussie, why is it everyone goes to Australia and New Zealand for their meat when it's high quality? Australia in particular. So we, we source from Tassie and then Southern Australia, like the Moi region, like mm-hmm. 
Um, th- it is light years uh, ahead of us in terms of from a regenerative s- standpoint. Um, and then on top of that, when you go to Tasmania, you you can't compete with that. I mean, it's 17 feet of this red volcanic ash soil mm. that's down below, and then it grows this the greenest, luscious grass you've ever seen. And then the the there's no population to ruin it too. Like there's no one lives down there. <laughs> no, it's just farms. It's farms and cows, and it's beautiful. But um, anyway, we just we can't compete with that. It's just, it, it's the best location in terms of climate and all that to raise grass fed beef. And how'd you find that out? Mm, uh, research and and actually I met a guy in the Midwest um, through our co-packer um, that was already bringing it in. So he actually acts as a distributor for us. So he's bringing in. Uh, truckloads of this stuff. So when we were very, very small still, he was already bringing in small amounts of it for us. But now he's grown as our operations grown. Mm. Are you guys finding like there is a big movement right now in health? Like everyone's becoming, I think we went through the two, three decades of not really, like the gym started gaining traction after Arnold Schwarzenegger and that that movement of, of that. But And then all the confectionery and crappy food started sneaking in. And now we're realizing how detrimental uh, all this is towards our health that mm-hmm. I think people are looking at rather than cure, we're moving towards, all right, what's, what am I putting in my, <clears throat> what am I putting in my, my stomach? What am I putting into my body? Um, you were still like 10 years ahead with this. Are you finding that there's a demand of chomps increasing um, or like in the food sector in general that people are starting to really source out healthier foods? In a big way. I mean, so we, we're very data heavy. Um, and what we're finding now, even more so even going back when we started this thing, even like, like niche, like, like CrossFit, you would think those people in paleo dieters, those people are like as intense as it gets. The level of education now that consumers have is mm. I've never seen anything like it. I've been doing this for a little over 11 years. Um, but people are actively sourcing out real food versus like new, even like protein bars, like even like the best protein bars, you could swap out chomps for that any day. And that's what's happening right now. So Early on, we were growing bait like by by pulling customers from the commodity brands, so like the you know Jack Link, Slim Gems of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays, we're we're bringing most of our new customers from other categories. So it's nutrition bars. If they were eating nuts or whatever it is, they're eating chomps now. Um, and that's where I mean, it was, I was just on a call earlier. About forty three percent of our growth uh, last month was coming from. Uh, other categories. It's insane. It's like, really? that's, that's a big number. That's a big it. number. 43%. Yeah. yeah. And just from people who weren't buying chomps yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, and not buying in the category even like, so then they weren't so even buying, that? they weren't buying meat snacks at all. So they were buying protein bars or they were buying other shakes things, or, shakes yeah. or whatever it is. That's how they were getting the protein. Now they're buying chomps. So, so that's our supplement of choice versus like a, a highly processed product. Yeah. So really? for us and for like our ability to sell the product now, the demand's never been greater because now I could take that data to a category manager at like a Walmart, Target, wherever, and they're like, so you're going to bring in, you're going to come in and grow my category. Like that's like a, that's music to their ears. It makes, mm-hmm. it makes your job of selling very, very easy. So Chomps is still only on the way up, even though it's, yeah. you know, I think in this day and age, like 10 years is a, it's been 10 years, haven't it? Like 10, a little 12. Over 11. Yeah. That's like a solid duration for a company and especially food i feel like food's become this real volatile thing now where like i like i said earlier and what you touched on people are reading the back like the packaging more than they ever have before yeah where it kind of it either annoys a lot of people or it's like well no you have to because we can't trust these companies Mm -hmm. find out if you may have low testosterone with the adam test 
This is a free questionnaire that's online, takes about 60 to 90 seconds to fill out, and it has up to an 88% accuracy rating of the indication if you may have low testosterone. Now, a lot of people like to do this because they're not sure if they wanna take the first step of getting the blood test just yet, but this is a nice introduction, free method to find out if that first step is gonna be necessary. To make use of this, all you gotta do is head to bit.ly forward slash free Adam test. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash free Adam test. And if you don't want to remember that, the link is in the description of wherever you're watching or viewing this podcast. Now let's get back to the show. Are you looking in, at current things right now with trends? Um, and how do you keep on top of it? Because I mean, people look at that and be like, oh, it hasn't changed in 10 years or whatever. Um, with how the industry is changing with that, what are you guys doing right now to take the next step to keep reaching more people? We're innovating through the way we sell the product versus actually creating new products. And so that's that's the way we were thinking about it. So um, if you look at our website now, you're seeing our, our like chomps as, a, as an ingredient in other meals. Like we have an entire page for like recipes that you can make with chomps. Really? What's um, your favorite one? Oh, I mean, I, I use them all the time. I just put them in my eggs like every single day. So like they're, they're like... It's chomps and eggs? Yeah. I could work. Taco. It's actually really good. You yeah. take the taco one, put it in. So actually, people are taking the taco one. They're actually taking the casing off and shredding up the meat inside and using that as taco meat. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like on-the-go tacos. Like that's a, okay. It's all fully cooked and So chomps is taco meat. That's actually pretty creative. Are they good? So they're great. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll try one right now. Yeah. The taco. Say, no, that's taco. a new one, so, right? That's a new flavor? Yeah. Yeah. So what we don't what we don't want to do is what we see so many other brands do, where they get way ahead of themselves in terms of um, innovation. They get excited about the next shiny thing. We want to focus on our core. We realize that we can grow this business to well, in, you know, well north of half a billion dollars in revenue just with our core offering right now, mm -hmm. and that's based on like green, you know, uh, or white space where we're not right now. Um, Very good. Wait. Yeah, pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the taco hits later. Yeah, yeah. It's a sneaky taco. Sneaky Cut that tacos. out, put it in a thing of Doritos. Got it like a taco mm, yeah. in a bag. I'm yeah. going to mute my <laughs> mic. Sorry, guys. You're going to hear me. I'm chewing. <laughs> um, actually, Jeff, you got a question? Sorry. No, I, you know, I think, you, you know, we were talking the other day. You know, it's like you, there was like a, a lull period you were saying for, you know, over, you know, seven, eight, nine years before you guys kind of really exploded. Um, you know, I, I mean, what do you feel kind of was the game changer for you in your business or what kind of helped propel you? Yeah, we never really had a lull period. We had we always had steady growth I and mean, we were doubling or tripling the business year over year, but it was from small, smaller base. Right. Um, it took us 10 years to break that nine figure in revenue mark. And then we more than doubled that last year alone. And then we'll more than, you know, so it's like we'll add more than nine figures each year going forward. And it's and like the like. So we set a budget beginning of this year and like just like a week ago or a week and a half ago or something like that. And we've already ex exceeded that now. It's already changed by about like $35 million based on news that we got last week. So it's just like the the demand is insane. And so the worry right now, the worry for the first 10 years is always like, where's the demand going to come from? Mm. And there's a complete shift. And now it's the opposite where there's this pull where and now we have to figure out how do we how do we fill this demand? Um and as with any business, and I think it always usually kind of feels like a house of cards where you're kind of like, it's building, building, building. There's always something that can go wrong. And I'm sure you guys feel yeah. like that all the time. It's just the way, just the way businesses are. Um, they're finicky and they're nonstop. And so, so for people, cause I'm, I'm 
trying to think like for someone who's starting their business or whatever, I mean, we hear a lot about investment and finding other investors into it. What, what was like a lesson that you had with either it's chomps or past businesses? Cause you've done a lot of stuff before the success of chomps. Um, when someone's looking for an investor, like when is the right time? Mm-hmm. And is there a time where, is there a type of investor you should stay away from as well? Yeah. So in my point of view, worry less about the, the check and more about what's the other value they can bring to the table. That to me was one of the hardest lessons I've learned in my entrepreneurial journey. My first company I started was a frozen food company called Frozen Fitness. That was, um, it was good. I think that we were probably a little ahead of our time because now nowadays there are those are a dime, dime a dozen. dozen. <laughs> They're everywhere. But we were, they didn't exist, exist back then when we started it. Um, and I took money in because um, I was trying to go really fast. I wanted to, I wanted to launch a uh, fancy website. I think websites at the time were really expensive compared to the way right. they are now too. Uh, but anyway, I, I raised, we were supposed to raise 250. I ended up getting, I think, 80 grand or something like somewhere around there. And um, which went to inventory, and then it just—it was like pulling teeth trying to get um, the rest of the money from this guy, and he had no experience ever building a food business, mm. so he brought nothing to the table and didn't agree with any of the ideas on like how to market it and whatever. So it was—I I mean, it was probably the worst decision I could have made uh, in terms of who to bring money in from. He was a real estate guy, and then it was like the shittiest time for real estate too. Like it was just you know. Market was crashing. He's on your ass twenty four seven. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And he wants when am I getting back? back? And I'm like, all right, I, I can't do that. So, um, anyway, so yeah, that uh, fast forwarded. Now we bootstrapped the business. So we started this with three thousand. I put in three thousand three thousand two hundred fifty bucks. My partner put in three thousand two hundred fifty bucks. I created a really crappy website um, on Shopify. I I bought a ninety nine dollar um, Photoshop Elements um, subscription, and I mm-hmm. created some packaging out of it. And literally, like, used all of our other money to create samples and then just went door-to-door selling. Like, we just did this as scrappy and as cheaply as possible um, to prove out the concept. And we did that. I mean, we didn't take money from, a, you know, any type of institu- institutional investor until end of 2021, um, really? which is probably the, the valuation you were talking about, which was in a, some articles. So you, didn't, it, you only took money a couple of years ago. So yeah, you're already yeah. ten years, eight ish years yeah, into we, it. Yeah, so we bootstrapped. So we had there. Well, I guess technically we actually took in a check from a, a very small check from uh, advisors, trying to be like, you know, put some skin in the game. Um, actually, regret those things too. But anyway, it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the investors that we have now are professional private equity guys. They've been they've been there, done it. They've built businesses much bigger than Chomps before. Um, they bring so much to the table in terms of just strategy and education, keeping a level head when things go wrong, um, getting the trenches when things go wrong, which like, that's the other thing too. Anybody could be a good partner when things are going great. But when things go bad, that's when the, it's, 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 it's like a, it's, that's when it'd be telling. Yeah. Are they a good partner or not? Are they going to roll their sleeves up? Are they going to help you out? Are they going to, you know, start calling the shots, doing things, force you out of the company or whatever it is. So. Mm. Do you guys have plans of like implementing? Because obviously you've just... If these are getting used for more as like protein snacks now that people are moving away from protein bars, is there like a, a plan to start implementing that into like maybe socially trying to plant that seed at a broader scale? Yeah, I think some, a lot of our messaging um, in terms of, you know, what's going out on social media or wherever, we actually just did uh, our very first um, TV commercial, which I haven't even seen live yet, but 
Um, but yeah, all that that type of messaging is now in there though. Yeah, and um, have you got anything like I know Jeff's like sitting there. I feel like I'm cutting him out. No, you're yeah, good. No, we're rude. good. <laughs> um, uh, so with the products, like what was the biggest hurdle in distribution or uh, actually development when you were developing your products? Because this is a a problem many people when they're starting off their businesses happen. It's like the product just isn't sitting right. Was there anything that was that you noticed that wouldn't really make sense to someone, but then you're like, oh, I need to tweak this for it to work? So many things. Um, so many things have gone wrong over time, and we got we've gotten better and better at making the product. So early on, you know, we use 85% lean beef, 15% fat. You blend that up. We were realizing that even the way that the, it's packaged. So Okay, let me back up a second. So I said 40,000 pounds of beef is in, a, in an 18-wheeler, right? Mm -hmm. But they're broken up into 60-pound boxes, like cases of beef, right? So there's 60-pound boxes in on pallets. The problem is when I order 8515, the way we used to order it, the, the container needed to be 8515. So you could have the front of the container might be 7525. The back might be so you had 95 people getting fat. <laughs> So no, we, we or, had, or so, too lean, we, too dry. Made, we were only making 300 pound batches, right? So trying to keep this as simplified as possible. But what was happening is we were having pro some product was, it was called fatting out where it's too fatty and the meat actually slides out of the casing <laughs> when it's hanging. And, and then that's, it's disgusting. Or they were like super, super lean and they were getting like, just like choking over, it down over wrinkly. There's like very dried out. And we're like, why is this happening? We're buying 8515. It's like, no, no, you need to go every single 300 pound batch. You need to re-blend it. So you need to start pulling them cases from the front and the back, blend that together, measure that. So you have a fat log. And so that's what we do. <laughs> so we have, uh, but now, now we've gotten a little more sophisticated. We're using like x-ray machines. So mm -hmm. every single box. X-ray machines? Yeah. What, is, what does that then show? It's, uh, it's actually using the chemi chemical lean. So it's actually... Taken for every single sixty-pound box is now eighty-five, fifteen, plus or minus one percent. So. Okay, that's pretty impressive. And with um, with running a business like this, um, w was there any a ever a time where you're like your health was impacted negatively because hmm. of running such a big business? <laughs> Probably Check always is. Maybe today. Maybe today too. He's <laughs> right. My wife Does it, you see it on my face? No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm a little more wrinkly now. Yeah. My my wife will probably tell you too. I mean, I I, I get I you know when you live and breathe a business, it's just the way it is, man. What did you do? What did you do to mitigate that? So I've been doing a lot of different things. I think one of the things I do now is uh, is actually. It's so cliche now, but it's cold plunging. I do that in the morning, mm -hmm. and um, and it's I do that before the sun comes up, before my day starts, and I'm in there. I used to do 39 degrees at seven minutes, and I've kind of I've gone up to 42 degrees at. I do it for four minutes now, and mm -hmm. that's like I get the same results. It's winter. I get this. It's, it's hotter yeah. winter. It's, you're in Florida, so it's yeah. like not. It doesn't, <laughs> no, but it's um, I get the same result whether if I do four minutes or seven or whatever. So I. Blake's got a makeshift. Cold plunge. Yeah, I just turned my deep freezer into a cold plunge. That's perfect. I think, I think it works great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, my, so you find you're actually finding doing cold plunges helping you with yeah. what? Exactly? Yeah, a lot of different things. So so I, aside from like the health benefits, I think it's more of like for me it's a mental thing. Like I want to wake up in the morning, do the most difficult thing I could possibly think of, and which is like rolling out of my warm bed and going into, you know, forty two degrees of water cold. Uh, mm. and sitting there for four minutes. Like that sounds terrible every single morning but I do it because it's like 
I, I actually feel amazing when I get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting into it is the hard part. And so for me, like, like mentally, I'm like, anything else I do the rest of the day is gonna be pretty easy because I'm not gonna feel like this. Interesting. And when did you start doing that? Uh, probably nine months ago now. And I don't miss a day. If I'm home, I do not miss a day. I don't care what the weather looks like. If it's raining, whatever, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. And how, do, how does that impact the day-to-day? Obviously, doing the hardest thing in the beginning makes everything a little bit easier. But have you noticed, like, stress levels drop, like, with stressful situations at work? It just seems like the other things you do are a little easier, meaning less stressful, right? So, um, like, this type of thing. I, I don't like putting myself out there. I'm an introverted person. Um, but uh, that's this is like, this is hard for me to do. Like even just doing this, it's hard for me to do. Same, mm. don't but feel that. But it's easy. <laughs> this is easier You also have a guy do. with a weird mustache looking yeah. at you, so that's fair enough. No, but, I'm, I, this is, but I've, I've gotten so used to it over the time. But and I, and the other thing I try to do, like just mentally, I don't want issues like that. I don't want to have things that I'm bad at or that I'm afraid of doing or I'm like uncomfortable doing. So, and that's one of like, we call, we call ourselves the champions at, at Chomps. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I try to instill in the team is like, we're not the type of people that are going to back away from something that makes us uncomfortable. Do you get them to do ice baths? Do, say, say do you get them to do ice baths? Uh, they won't. I don't know. I think some people are doing it. make them uncomfortable here, yeah. Pete. <laughs> but uh, we're, yeah. I'm actually, I'm buddies with those guys at, at Plunge, the company Plunge. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we're going to do some partnerships with them. Uh, really? Maybe the team will start getting, getting into it too. What could you do? The other? Make I it mandatory like, when they well, clock in, they get a plunge. I feel like there. a chomp floating in a plunge would not be good advertising. <laughs> no, no, that's not good. Um, no, just more of like social media type stuff, like doing videos with them and stuff. Yeah, okay. Interesting. How do you, I'm, I'm interested, what, I mean, you probably can't say too many ideas, but I'm, I'm like a marketing genius. Nerd. Oh, okay. Not genius. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, how, I'm intrigued. Like, how would you, how would you blend those two together? Is it like the health stuff or is it? So what they're talking about and what their brand stands for and um, what they're trying to teach is resilience. And so that's exactly what we're talking about as well. It's like that, like what I just said, like, you know, you do not, we are not the type of people, people are going to back away from something that makes us uncomfortable. Mm. And that's like, you know, what's that, what's that, there's a saying where it's like, you know, everything you ever hope for is on the other side of fear. And we could use that fear word in, interchangeably with, uh, with uncomfortableness, right? Like or you just, just face it, just do it. I mean, that's like, that's the only way we built chomps. I mean, I, I, again, and Rashid, my business partner is the same way as I am. We don't like getting out in front of, like, I don't want to public speak. I don't want to, like, it's not what I want to do, but I know what I need to do to build the business. So I do it. Yeah. And did you guys ever like sponsor athletes or sponsor any particular people? Sponsored? No. Like we, we do have more like organic, like partnerships where there'll be like a, an influencer that is already using chomps and they'll just be like, they'll just tag us and. We see, we see that they're using it. And then our team will reach back out to them and be like, hey, would you do some content with us? And then mm-hmm. we usually can do like a longer term thing where we're paying for an inf- like a partnership. But then um, a lot of times we do like more of an affiliate thing where they're making a commission off, you know, uh, pushing the brand. So Optimizing your health should be one of your main priorities in life. If we don't have good health, we cannot do so many things. We can't look after our family. We can't operate the best we can in business. We can't even be enjoying life to the full potential. Thankfully, we have T-Clinics USA who will help optimize your health through a detailed blood panel, looking at your hormone regulation, looking at any deficiencies you may have, and it could even be simple things such as improving your sleep that can help improve your output, your energy, and how you feel day to day. After that, they will see whether or not you are eligible for TRT, the thing I really love about T-Clinics USA is they don't just try and sell everyone on TRT because as you know, once you're on it, you are on it for life. 
So there might be other options with testosterone boosting therapies to help the gonads produce a bit more testosterone rather than replacing it. Or if it's peptides, Unfortunately, some have recently been banned by the FDA, but there are other peptides that we can go around it, fully legal, that will help the body still be optimized. So if you wanna make use of that, T-Clinics does offer 10% off your first package purchase with them if you're a ManLab listener. All you've gotta do is head to bit.ly forward slash tclinicsusa, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash T clinics USA, mention the man lab and you will get 10% off your first package with them. So that's bit.ly forward slash T clinics USA. And if you don't remember that, the link is in the description. Now let's get back to the show. An organic thing is usually perceived as quite a slow thing. Like we're seeing with a lot of businesses, it's like we go, they go straight for the money quick. You see these billion dollar valuations. And then two years later, there's nothing mm -hmm. to show with the business. Um, from what you've experienced with this, like, how, how, if someone's trying to start their own business, your patience was seems like the thing that made the big difference. Um, what were the steps involved, like the big milestones besides like, I mean, people hear an investment of $80 million into a company. People go like, wow, yeah. that's what I want straight away. You were 12 years into the business. Uh, outside of those milestones, what, what were the other milestones that you noticed happen with your business that would probably relate to someone in their business? Well, the one thing I would say is like, to your, to your point, like us being, we're very disciplined in our growth and like we say no more than we say yes to partnerships. And we've always been like that. And so like, even when we landed Trader Joe's, so going back to some of those advisors that we had early on, um, the thing that we heard when we, when we first landed Trader Joe's was you need to use this, like you have millions of people trying the product now, you need to use this momentum to go and springboard and use this to go get into other channels and other retailers and and we were like, this doesn't feel right. Like Trader Joe's is an amazing customer. This is going to be, you know, tens of millions of dollars of, uh, you know, in, in revenue for us. Why would we not just spend time building that relationship, be, relationship, be the very best Trader Joe's partner we could be and, and what, you know, make sure it lasts long, right? Like why are we going to do this and it's like be, be done? And so we ignored their advice and thank God we did. I mean, we're still a partner with Trader Joe's, which is actually mm -hmm. – that's a very rare, rare thing for a, we're a branded item at Trader Joe's, which is a private label shop. Um, and so the fact that we're still there, I think is kind of telling. How long were you exclusively at Chomp, uh, at um, Trader Joe's um, before you took the next step to another over franchise? A over a year, like okay. about a year and a half. Yeah. And it was, it was and we were like, we were two guys running the business though. So it was like, we used some, some agencies and third parties. Um, obviously we had a, you know, third party co-packer and all that. Um, but yeah, we built the business to over 20 million in revenue with when I was the only full-time employee and he was part-time, um, before we started hiring anybody. Really? And we hired our first employee January of 2018. So. And, and so, cause most people hear that and they probably think like how, cause like you can't deliver all that. So did you make partners with other people and it was just, you guys were chomps, but then you had different other companies. Yeah. yeah I, mean, there's, I mean, there's marketing agencies you could use and there's, um, you know, there's third party sales people you could use, but or brokers even, um, and we leverage them. But you know, we just hustled. Like I, I, it sounds stupid, but that's just the way we did it. We just we're very passionate about what we do. So mm. we always operated with a sense of urgency, no matter what. Interesting. And so, listen, you got another comp company. Where is it? There's another one that you got now. This yeah. is a very different thing from Chomps. Headlam. Yeah. Headlam. <clears throat> yeah. So this is a non-alcoholic beer company. 
That seems like a very different uh, thing from Chomps. Yeah, so I, I don't own the company. Uh, I'm an investor in the company, so I've got equity and I'm on the board. Um, but this is a few friends of mine. They're former um, uh, AB guys, mm-hmm. uh, Anheuser-Busch guys, and they saw a huge opportunity. I think this is a really, it's like a very fast growing category. If you think back to where meat snacks were, better for you meat snacks back when we started Chomps, I feel like it's, this is where it is. I feel like we're still early. It's a very small category. Uh, but th- this is where I think a lot of people are going to start. And so, so wait, so you think there's going to be like a non-alcoholic beer, this is IPA. Yeah. There's a big movement towards a non-alcoholic Absolutely. beer. Absolutely. Really? What's yeah, the, and it's actually that? starting with like younger people, which is interesting. I mean, if you go to like like Coachella, like I know a lot of my, my buddies are at Coachella, like like nobody drinks anymore out there. Like they're not well, on pills. They're doing other drugs. <laughs> other drugs. They're going organic with mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> they want to feel like they're tasting drinking beer but not getting messed up from the yeah. beer. And so this and, and for me that I like I like this idea because during the week I don't want to drink alcohol. Um, that's another thing that I try to do to keep my stress level down, not be hungover. When I'm hungover, I get stressed out. Mm. I get anxiety attacks. So this is, um, uh, for me, this is awesome. Interesting. Crazy how times change as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so there is a big movement right now with people wanting to drink, but not drink. Cause like when I grew up, it was always like the guy with the the alcoholic, the non-alcoholic beer was either in AA. Yeah. Or just a flat out pussy. Yeah. And so everyone right now is turning into. <laughs> yeah. Well, AAs. yeah. Or you have the people that want to go out and they want to be social, but they want to be asked like, "Why aren't you drinking?" Or like you kind That's of. That's the other thing. Yeah. You don't have to like have that conversation. And so you're forecasting that you're going to see a big uptick in yeah. people like faking the buying funk. this from oh, yeah. from bars. And it's everything. already happening. Yeah. Really? There's how, how full much on bars so that I have a buddy of mine owns a non-alcoholic bar in Brooklyn, in New York, and he kills it. A non-alcoholic bar? Yeah. Like, they don't serve any alcohol. No, it's, it's, they make drinks, and he's like, he makes amazing drinks, and they have, like, a comedy club there and all that stuff, and people go there and hang out, and they're not drinking. But they've, he's got, so he's using, he's got a little different idea. That brand, um, it's called Curious Elixirs, mm-hmm. and um, he's taking other, like, types of, like, uh, like, like, it's not mushrooms, but, like, ashwagandha, right? Yeah. So, like, if you want to, like, to calm down, he's adding that in there. So he's got, like, different, um, he's, like, a mixologist. So he's, like, using- Adam? Huh. Any Kratom? No. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, so I, I think this stuff is like, it's getting more and more popular. Interesting. So what do people do at bars if they're not drunk? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe talk? Talk, <laughs> Still socialize. So so how long do you, do you see until <laughs> this becomes like a real big thing? If that's going to be like, I mean, you clearly picked a bit of a trend with, with a, a meat stick idea <laughs> that... A trend of non-alcoholic. This is so f- absurd to me. I'll yeah. be perfectly honest. Yeah. I, I don't even drink. Like yeah. I just don't go to bars. Um, that you think like what in the next five ten years this, this is going to be like the, your friend's non-alcoholic beer bar is going to be a normal thing. I think it'll be more and more popular. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's going to take off like CrossFit did and like how Chomps did, but I do think this is the way it's going. And is that like a rela- is that like correlation yeah. with this whole health movement thing? I think so. And the other thing is that people are um, using headlam as like like throughout the night, right? So if they're maybe they're driving right now and they won't be later and so they don't want to be sitting there like empty-handed, so they'll drink a drink now and then have drinks later, like or whatever. Like it's kind of it's interesting. So interesting. Yeah. And how long has this company been around? Cuz brand new, we just launched in uh, in the summer in Long Island. Interesting. Yeah. Are you going to are you going to go to a bar that there's no alcohol, Jeff? 
I don't drink that much anyways. That is true. I mean, if I'm going to be social and not trying to get whacked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My wife's a partier, so I've got to, I got to hang. <laughs> the other question I've got too is like, so being an entrepreneur, especially like a gung-ho one like you, that can put a lot of stress on a family. Mm-hmm. Was there any ever moment, was there ever moments where it was put in stress? If so, what was it? If you, if you want to talk or if not, how did you, um, like, how did you keep that balance? Yeah. It, I mean, in the beginning, it was very hard, um, especially when, like, in the t- 2016 time frame. I mean, my, my first son, he's seven years old now, so this is 2016. When we first landed Trader Joe's was when he was born. Mm. I, and I think in the first six months of his life, I saw him more on um, FaceTime than I did in person. Mm. It's just the way That's- it was, you know. And, you know, my, my wife's a, um, you know, she's awesome. She's a rock star. She, she handles it. So, um, you know, but I think now, obviously, I'm glad I put that work in because now I spend a lot more time with the kids. I work from home, um, you know, teaching the kids how, kids how to ride bikes or whatever it is, and I'm there for a lot of the stuff that I wasn't there for before. So I think that's a cool thing about entrepreneurship. You know, if you could, you know, put the work in early, mm. you got some additional flexibility later on in, in life. So, how did she go? Like, again, back to my original thing, like pitching something like this would be so obscure. Was there ever a moment where your wife was just like, really? this thing is going to be the thing that makes you the money? Because you've tried many things before and things that probably made more sense, like, you know, ready to make meals. Yeah. And then you're like, hey, I got a variety. The, the, the ready-made meals failed. I'm going to just sell, sell one piece of meat. No, my wife is, she's always believed in me and like always, it's just, I can't explain it. I Thinking back on it, it's like, no, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> but it's like, she's just, she's always been, you know, she's, she's badass. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you Do you have any like concern with this whole like vaccine meat and the Bill Gates, you know, kind of, you know, movement that he's trying to like push? Yeah, it's definitely a concern. And I feel like there's a lot of um, misinformation. I mean, they, they like to talk about misinformation all the time, but this is like, there's a new one that just came out on uh, Netflix called You Are What You Eat. Oh yeah, that's so and, propagandized. Dude, it's it, insane. It's just, it, it, you know, obviously, it, I'm not going to like go on and on about what's wrong with it, but what I would say is, those types of things, yes, it's definitely, it could put a dent into our business model. But I think this whole plant-based movement was so pushed so hard, kind of like vaccines, yeah. where people eventually start pushing back on it. Now you see with these mm-hmm. plant-based, plant-based uh, brands, they've raised billions of dollars from the biggest, you know, pr- private equity funds. I mean, their the stocks have gone down. If you look at like what Beyond Meats yeah. and some of those have like, plummeted yeah, so done. much. Yeah. They so don't get a single repeat purchase. Because my, my theory behind this whole thing, because yeah, my wife's a vegan. So like, and we've had these in-depth conversations in and out. And I say, look, ethics, I'm not going to argue that one, but the the health part is highly debatable. Yeah. And so I'm seeing this thing uh, privy to, to Jeff's question where it, it just feels like I went hunting for the first time last, last week and I went through the entire process from start to finish. I'm like, I want to be faced with the whole thing. So I watched, I had to cut the whole thing apart, rip the skin off. Mm-hmm. And the whole time it was funny, like the one thing I kept thinking was how the fuck is this thing scalable? You know, like I can't get a machine to just cut through mm-hmm. this meat and just process it. Mm-hmm. It has to be like, you need someone first doing this to get those, those cuts. And then it like dawned to me, I was like, oh, this is why they probably hypothetically are pushing this anti-meat thing because, you know, they're always going to push the competition wherever they go. Yeah. So, whereas grain and everything else is highly scalable that it feels like that's kind of like the, I guess the conspiratorial idea I've got behind it is that 
it's just like what the food pyramid was decades ago where it was like, no, meat, you want to minimize and have as much grain as you can. Yeah. This is just the next version of that food pyramid, yeah. which is, all right, the food pyramid didn't work. It, it kind of worked a little bit, but now we need to go like, hey, it's completely the enemy. Yeah. Hey guys, just quickly, T Clinics USA wants to make mention that they do offer Tessa Morellin for their customers. And for a limited time only, if you're a ManLab listener, you will be receiving 10% off your first package with them. To make use of this, just go to bit.ly forward slash USA and mention the ManLab and you will receive that 10% discount. Now that is bit.ly forward slash USA. And if you don't want to remember that, the link will be in the description of wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast. So bit.ly forward slash USA, mention the ManLab and let's get you on Tess Morellin. Let's get back to the show. Are you seeing anything that's, I mean, besides the hardcore, again, culty carnivores, is there stuff that's happening where people are starting to be like, hey, this actually is complete BS or we see what's happening? I'll give you, so I, I said before that we're very data driven. So one of the things that we do, we, we spend a lot of money on uh, Google AdWords and then advertising. In, I think it was 2019, our top performing ads were targeting vegans or people interested in veganism. And that was across Facebook and Google. Really? Oh yeah. What was the what were you marketing to? Like what were chomps. you like, we were talking in, about chomps and we were talking no, like, about what, what was the lead that brought the vegans to meat sticks? Well what's happening is this is they're they're going vegan for some reason. They're learning about whether it's the environmental impact, it's nutritional impact, or animal welfare. Those three yeah. things, right? And so we've got we checked those boxes. So if you t- talk about environmental, we're-, we're well, I was going to ask you about that with like global warming and only the, the cattle industry. Yeah. Cow farts. Yeah. <laughs> grass fed, grass finished, you know, it's all regenerative. So they're doing all the rotational grazing, all those types of things. I could send you guys info on like land to market and all the partnerships that we have. Um, this stuff's like really exciting. And that's also one of the reasons why we source from Tazzy. They do things much differently there than mm-hmm. we do here. Um, and then, uh, you know, environmental, that was environmental. So nutrition, obviously all grass-fed, grass-finished. We all know the benefits there between mm. grass-fed, grass-finished beef and regular, uh, regular beef. And then animal welfare. So everything we, we all, we only use certified humane beef. So it's, it's okay. I don't know how humane it could possibly be when you're eating an animal. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's, you know, from start to finish the first day of their life to the very last day when they're harvested, um, everything's done up to their the certified humane standard. So it's yeah. pretty strict. Well, that that's what, so I got in like a big discussion a couple of days ago with a vegan. Um, and obviously like, I mean, I was trying to avoid it a little bit, but the discussion was like, I said to her, I'm like, look, I don't want to get in a fight because it's not what I'm after. I'm married to a vegan in five years. So mm-hmm. I've, I've had this conversation for my entire marriage. Yeah. Um, but I said to her, I was like, you know, the argument right now, which is turning a lot of vegans away from being vegan is, if the rhetoric of if you want to kill the most animals, be a vegan, and if you want to kill the anim- if you want to kill more animals in the most vicious way, be a vegan, because in order to keep those crops safe, you need to be poisoning, which is an internally painfully like tearing apart of organs mm-hmm. of these rodents, birds, insects, whatever it is. Whereas if you can get grass fed, grass finished uh, beef, one cow provides five hundred pounds of meat and it can feed effectively 500 people Mm. um and it's funny because i'm noticing there's a lot of vegans who went on the ethical route who are turning to meat consumption because they're like shit like i can't do zero 
but the ethic most ethical route is to go if you were to go fully extreme would be like full carnivore mm -hmm. and so maybe something like yours as well like you're saying like hey we're also using the remaining parts so like we're also utilizing the healthy ones and not wasting a single bit yeah. it's nose to tail and so like that land to market par partnership is important to us we're using the trim you've got like whole foods uh costco using all the steaks You've got um, brands like Uggs or Timberland using all the cowhide. You've got uh, Kettle and Fire. They use the exact same animals, animals as we do. They're using all the bones. They're making mm. bone broths out, out of that. It's the entire animal. And so we, we think about things. It's like nose to tail. We want to make sure that we're aligning ourselves with all these other brands, with the producers that are doing things the right way. Yeah, and as long as the death is a quick one, like, again, this the, the girl I was talking to, she's like, how did it feel killing something? I'm like, knowing it died within five seconds versus, again, rotting, like burning from the inside to a slow death. Yeah. I'm like, it didn't feel great. Like, I wasn't there, like, freaking throwing a trophy in the air, but I was like, all right, I yeah. feel all right with this. That's, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, there's only, <laughs> there's only one way to do it, and you got to do it quickly. I mean, mm. if you're dragging it out and making animals suffer, that's that's terrible. How many, how many on, this, on the topic of this, and Jeff, you might know this one, like we've, we've established the meat, but when you're adding the 500 pounds of meat, that number is just like steaks and like mince meat. That doesn't count the off cuts. How many extra people can be fed, do you think, from like one cow? Oh. And again, this is a one fast ethical death. Yeah, I, and I don't, I can't put the number on it, but if you just think about the way bone broths are being used nowadays, it gets, it's a lot. That's a lot of good protein, a lot of good I drank you know, some collagen, this morning. all that. So. <laughs> so I had some this morning. Yeah. And so... so Is it kettle of fire? Uh, no, it was actually, uh, what is it called? Bones and something. I okay. forget. Okay. Yeah. Really? I yeah, forget the bone broth. My wife's on it. it. No. I know she's vegan, but that's... 10 grams of protein in a oh, packet, yeah. man. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and the chicken one tastes like chicken noodle soup. <laughs> and so, so what are you finding? Because there's like... The, I'm, I'm fascinated by these, the vegans making a, a, a twist, a, a turn like by your marketing. Are these like, like literally they're vegans, they see your ad and then they buy it or is it like their profiles were strict vegan and that was like a year ago and they've yeah. had this slow transition. Exactly. exactly it. So it was a lot of, it's, a lot of it's just a trend, right? So they're, yeah. they're trying it cause their friends did it or whatever. They were interested in it. They mark themselves as interested in, in veganism on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so we're targeting those people specifically. And the reason being is because we feel like they would have the level level of education to see the value prop that we're bringing to the table, which is, again, we're checking off all three of those boxes. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I get it. This is a premium product. It's got a premium price, but I get it. And so mm. those customers are the ones that I want. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting watching how, how health is evolving where it's like, it's not only just conscious eating, and I hate it because it's so overused in the hippie community, but it's like conscious eating in terms of what I'm putting in my body, but also like, we still want to make sure that what we're eating is being treated correctly. You know, like that's like basically what my wife and I, like we at least, she's okay with me eating meat every single day because I hunt to, the plan this year is hunting two deer and then going Harvey's on a, on a cow with my friend. So I'm like, my the meat at home, I'm going to be responsible for only three deaths. Yeah. Which is that's great. crazy numbers. <laughs> like, that's great. Yeah. And so that's cool. So there's a big movement that way. How many vegans do you say you, a converting like do you know like percentages because i know like I it was no a growing idea. thing and it seems like it's depleting again unfortunately we, once we find a keyword that starts working for us all of our competitors oh, really? do that and they so it's like it dilutes the impact of it so we had good data on it back then but it's, it's just like 
we don't know anymore. Interesting. But it's, it seems like there's a lot. And we hear a lot from customers where they're like, hey, just so you know, I'm, I was a vegan. I'm, I'm eating meat again. I only eat chomps. I only eat chomps. There's a brand that's called Force of Nature. It's a fa- former founders of Epic Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, those two, they were actually former vegans. And now they've gone on to founding two separate meat-based brands. Really? Um, and there's a reason for it. You know, like they're, they're educated now on like why. Yeah. You know, and then they're actually, and they're hands-on too. They're actually raising animals. They bought farms. And when they sold Epic Bar, they used their funds to buy a freaking farm. And they're raising bison and other animals now too. But it's, it's I mean, this is, I think o- over time, more and more education will come out. But then you've got the Bill Gates of the world putting out this other mm. misinformation to continue. Yeah. But it, He's yeah, yeah the the fake meat ones and that's another one where um I think England France just banned it or yeah, something yeah. so yeah, like it really did. yeah it, it is a weird and again I think it all comes down to they're looking at what is scalable mm-hmm. and get the experience of hunting and then processing a deer I was I don't know how people make that scalable without it being completely ethically like terrifying yeah so like I'm intrigued like. The, the farms that we that you're using in Tasmania and everything. So I, I guess that's the next thing that people are trying to, uh, where we're going is scalable has ended in the past with it. All right, we're getting all this demand. We'll start doing it. And then all of a sudden they're in factory farms. It's horrible conditions yeah. and everything else. How are they doing scalable farming in an ethical manner with Tasmania? And how do you see it then being even bigger? Well, at this stage, so there's there's thousands of family farms, small family farms that are that we source from, and we bring them in through. I guess you could call it like a, a consolidator, or maybe like, he owns the abattoirs, which is basically the, the slaughterhouses the, where they process the animals. Um, and so they've got three now. They're building another one, and in each one of those, they can bring in more and more animals. Um, yeah, at some point, you run out of you run out of land. Um, mm. So, um, and we we're pretty strict on like when you can when we can use an animal, like we won't use them too, too uh, old, too young, all that. So we kind of set those parameters. What's the optimal age? It's about 30 months. 30 months. Okay. What's that? Three years. Right. <laughs> I've never heard someone say it that way. That's cool. Um, all right, cool. And so what, to, to wrap this up, what's, what do you see the future of, of Chomps in the next f- five years? And then more products, anything else? More products. I think in the near term, I think like I mentioned before, it was we're gonna focus on our core. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of you know white space in terms of you know channels where we're not we're not in C store yet, which like if you look at all the other meat snack brands, like 70 percent of their revenue comes from convenience stores. Mm. We haven't even touched it yet. So we've got a huge opportunity there. We're just now getting into there this year. Um, and then you know, continue building that. I think from there it would be like midterm, I would say like next year or two would be innovating within meat snacks, doing something that maybe hasn't done, been done before or hasn't been done well that we feel like we could do better. Outside of that, we do want to build this into a billion dollar brand. Um, it's going to require, I think, that we, we do some innovating out of category. So not quite sure yet what that's going to be. I have some ideas, but yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. Oh, you got a more question? I feel like you got something, Jeff. No, I mean, you can get into those, what are those, beef stacks, chicken stacks. Um, they're like the chips. Oh, oh yeah, those chickens. are pretty good. Yeah, the yeah. Wild, wild chips. There's a buddy of mine, too. Chomp nice. chips. Yeah, chomp chomp chip. chomps. There you go. Yeah, yeah, chomp, chip. chomp chips. Chomp chips. Yep, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> All right, cool. So, I mean, look, I'll, I usually ask people where they're going to find you, but you, they can basically find chomps anywhere. Chomps.com. Yeah, a lot of, lot of stores. Anyway, all right, yeah. perfect. Well, thanks very much, dude. And guys, if you haven't subscribed already, make sure to subscribe. 
Uh, go to bit.ly forward slash USA for 10% off your first package. And if you're doing Carnival Month, keep at it. Peace. We've got a discount code. Well, I was going oh, to. I, 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 I was trying. Don't forget yeah. that, guys. All right. Discount code. What's the discount code? Carnivore 20. All right. If you go to chomps.com, use Carnivore 20, you get 20% off anything they want. Yeah. And it, their, their entire first order, that's between now and mid-February. I think it's February 15th. It's probably. Uh, okay. Yeah. Now and February 15th. All right. Cool. cool. Thanks, Peace. Pete.